0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassat, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I usually use this time to let Ben plug all the publications he's written for. So Ben, give it a shot. Let me hear what you've done.
1: You can find my work at Driving Line, at Haggerty Classic Car, and at Automobile. And you
0: can find my work at autotrader.ca, as well as Nouveau Magazine. And I've got a list of other publications that I write for over at my website, samihajisad.com. Oh,
1: look at Sammy plugging his own site. I figured. Why not?
0: Um, this week, we've got some cars to talk about. Ben, I want you to take it away because you've got a very nice luxury uh, crossover. Well, luxury? I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't go that far. Um, I had, I, I spent some time with the 2020 Volvo V60 T5 cross-country, Sammy.
0: Oh my god, what a long name. Let's break it down. V60 is a wagon. It's like, uh, it's a compact wagon?
1: It's, it's like a mid-sized wagon, I guess, in this crazy mixed-up world we live in. Uh, right. T5 is? It's a turbocharged 2-liter 4-cylinder engine. And cross-country, that's where you drove it to? Cross-country means, and this is all it means, <laughs> 8.3 inches of ground clearance and a 1.5-inch wider track. That's it. That is the only difference between the V60 cross-country and the regular V60 wagon. Okay.
0: So, let's get started with this uh, with this vehicle. As most
1: Volvos are, is it gorgeous? No, it's not gorgeous. It looks fine. Oh. Um, I was not super happy. W- I-, I like the wagon, but I yes. find that with this cross-country... Okay, here's another difference. I guess there's there's other differences in the sense that, you know, cosmetics. But in addition to that lift, it gives you, like, these plastic fender overriders, like fender guards, and yep. you get plastic rocker panel guards, too. So,
0: And these are, like, black, right? They're or black, black and, and my
1: car was black, so the juxtaposition oh, <laughs> of, like, the gloss black of the paint and the standard black of the plastic, it just... Yeah. I did not like. I did not care for it, Sammy.
0: So, simply put, that thing just... It just looked like... It looked kind of tacky, is what you're saying. The I way don't know if tacky
1: is, is the word I use, but kind of low-rent. <laughs>
0: Why wouldn't you use the word tacky? That sounds fine.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. What else uh, What else can you tell me about First of all, have you driven the V60 or the S60 lately? Yes. Okay, so you know what... And the... I've driven the
1: XC60 lately. So I've driven the whole 60 range, I guess you could range. say. Range. Um, interesting things slash... I don't know if I'd use the word interesting, but facts I... about this Volvo. <laughs> yes. uh, you can only get it in T5. So oh, okay. the V60, the the regular wagon... You Mm -hmm. can get in a whole bunch of trims. You can get T six. Yeah, you can get T six. Is there a hybrid version? I'm not sure. Well, uh, what I'm yeah, saying is, yeah, though, yeah. there's there's an R design, there's a momentum, there's inscription, there's a pole star version. All oh, yeah. of those are available with the V60, but you can only get this one T five version of the cross country. So your your engine selection is limited to that one engine, and your trim levels are pretty limited too. Um, I don't know why Volvo decided to do that. They call the one trim level on the car a uh, it's it's uh, adventure. I guess. Uh, There's a couple packages you can add that will introduce features, but there's nothing that dramatically changes the car. Like, you can get... Uh, leather inside as an option. You can get um, additional safety gear like the Vol- Volvo Pilot Assist, this kind of self semi self driving thing. And you can get like four zones of climate control, but you're not going to get a dramatically different interior. Or or, or you can order four different zones wheels. Of
0: climate but, control in a vehicle this size that seems pretty impressive.
1: Well, you know, some people need that, Sammy. Some I guess people so. are are dainty, and oh. their daintiness commands it. So, and another difference between e- equipment wise is the cross country is all wheel drive. There's no choice. But if you get a regular V60, you can get front wheel drive with it.
0: That's interesting. Okay. Um, what do you? Does it feel like a completely different vehicle in this cross country form? No, it feels well, exactly the same. It feels exactly the same. exactly the same.
1: There's like uh, there's almost no difference in how it handles with the extra ride height, which surprised me. Like you're not going to yeah. notice. There's no more body lean or anything in the corners than you would normally have. It didn't on the highway. It didn't feel like tall or anything like that. It didn't feel like an XC60. Honestly, it's totally marketing. Like it's it's a hundred percent a car that exists for marketing purposes. You're never gonna go off road with it. It doesn't have skid plates or anything. Like you could you could go through a little bit more snow, I guess, or maybe like a cottage road that had a big rut in the middle. Or sorry, on the other side. So you had like a in the middle. There was you know something's jutting up like rocks or whatever. Yeah. Other than that, though. It's just a wagon. Like, that's all it is. And it's more expensive. Like, it's, you're paying a bit more for that. It starts around 45000
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I need you to keep talking to me about this Volvo because I haven't yet driven any of the 60 Series. Um, and I'm very curious because I think Volvo has been on a pretty good run with its um, – one, its engines are pretty decent. Uh, two, its interiors are, are particularly attractive except for their infotainment system, which we've complained about in the past. Yeah, infotainment
1: um, system, still a problem. Uh, I still, you know, one of the, the big things that bothered me was uh, it had automatic start stop. And the only way to turn it off was to go through a bunch of menus to do that every single yeah. time you turn the car on. I, I just want a button to be able to do that, honestly. And uh, things like climate control, they're, they're integrated into the infotainment too. The fonts are very small. There's menus that come from every side of the screen. It's mm. just not very intuitive.
0: Yeah, there's like weird slide down menus. There's weird menus that pop in. It's like you've got to do a bunch of – you've got to really get familiar with it. Um, and we don't get that opportunity to do that on a, in a short period of time.
1: And I also had an issue with the vehicle not wanting to reconnect my smartphone. So uh, it would sometimes connect, but then it wouldn't play any music like if I had a player going or it would uh, pick I've the- definitely had that happen before. And that, that's, that's like, very
0: frustrating. It is. Because and you is, expect yeah, to just, just get in and go,
1: right? Like, you don't want to have your phone in your hand. It's in your pocket. That's because you're driving safely. And yet you can't hear any of your music. Even if it's showing on the screen, it won't play. And yeah. it's a whole bunch of weirdness like that. And not all automakers have this. So I think this is specifically a problem with... Is it still called Census? Is that what it's called? I think so. All right. So whatever Volvo's calling it. Um, I want you to talk to me about the interview. Did you have one of those? Because uh, I believe it was
0: offered with a... With a kind of like a plaid interior? I don't know if that's... No, uh, I had, I had black leather. You had black leather. Yeah. Okay. I Still... know there is
1: a plaid interior available, but my, my car specifically had the leather option. And did you like the interior of this vehicle? It's fine. I mean, it's... Really? It's, Just it's, fine? Yeah, it's inoffensive. Uh, it's very smooth. You, there's Again, because they removed all those buttons. Yeah. Um, there's the weird stuff that's in every Volvo, like the, the ignitions on the console, and you turn it to the right to turn it on and turn it to the right to turn it off. Sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you turn it in the same direction. To same do direction. The,
1: to, to do. Uh, it's got yeah. the weird little roller for the drive controls. The yeah, drive mode the selector. drive mode
0: selector. The Chrome yeah.
1: log, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. And you got to push it and then twirl it and then push it to select what you want on the screen. It's such a... That's engagement for you, man. It's in, it's it's an affectation. I mean, it's it's weird. And it has a instead of having an auto start stop button to turn things on and off, I have one of those auto hold buttons for the brakes on the console instead. And I didn't know that's what it was for, and I kept pushing it over and over, trying to get the auto self the auto start to to stop doing it. And I was just frustrated with myself until I read the manual and figured out that's not what it was. Ah. Uh
0: okay, so then it, it it sounds like it's a it's all it's all branding it's all marketing it feels much exactly of it like, is, a, yes. like a like a v sixty which is what i'm going to ask next is it a good is the v sixty that good is it well, worth buying is it something that's um here's the thing
1: yeah I mean if you want a wagon, where else are you going to go
0: i think mercedes oh well, maybe not in the u s right the mercedes wagons don't aren't offered in the well
1: that's a good question i don't know if the c class is available in the u s but uh audi's all road is kind of the closest thing you'd get to this. So there's not a lot of options if you want a luxurious wagon. And as a wagon, it works very well. I, I use the cargo area to, to haul stuff around. I like tires. You no, have not tires this tire. time. Not tires this time. But uh, I like that the, the tailgate has two buttons, one of them to close it automatically and the other one to close it automatically and lock the car. Yeah, so you can walk away with your arms full and not have to touch the fob in your pocket. That that's I'm pretty cool. A couple more cars coming out with that kind of feature as well. Well, sometimes they'll put the, they'll put a button on the inside that will lock, like it's on the inside sail panel kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's just a lock button. Uh, but the Volvo one closes and locks, which I thought was neat. I, I know it's not exclusive to Volvo, but it, I appreciated it. And the the cargo loading area is very wide.
0: That's really help- That's really helpful.
1: Yeah, it's not a it's not a fake wagon like for style. You know, it's it's an actual useful wagon, and it, you know it drives pretty quietly. It's yeah. comfortable. Um, it, it has reasonable power. I mean, two hundred fifty horsepower is decent. You're mm-hmm. not going to win any races, but it didn't it didn't drive weird at any time. I didn't have the transmission hunting for gears or anything like that. It's got an eight speed automatic. That's uh, good. It, it's not a sporty vehicle at all, but I was never really compelled to drive it in a sporty way so it it was an overall positive experience it's cheaper too than anything you get from Mercedes or BMW like if you were looking at an x3 or mm. uh, an Audi all road it's like maybe a couple thousand less so they they sort of know their role in that respect uh but if you if you want to add features you're probably going to look at another ten percent increase on the price oh
0: okay but
1: but still that's a lot cheaper than features on a German luxury car like the option sheet they don't. The option sheet on a BMW would leave the Volvo in the dust very quickly. <laughs>
0: right. It's a. Those are usually pretty long. Yeah. Um, speaking of features, why not tell me about how the? Because usually Volvo kind of makes a big deal about their um, their drivers' assistance and safety features and some of their other interior features. Well, did you have any experience with the way these these features operate? And I uh,
1: didn't I didn't use it this time on this vehicle? I did use it on okay. the previous Volvo I drove a couple of months ago. Uh, my big complaint is for their their self driving system. Um, I can't remember the name of it. What, do, you, do you remember what it's called?
0: Uh, pilot something maybe. Pilot assist. Yes.
1: Yeah, sorry. I think yes. I said it earlier. If the pilot assist, the icons are very hard to identify in terms of yeah. knowing when the system's on or not. So, like the problem with pilot assist is there's a little icon in the bottom left of the gauge cluster, and it turns different colors depending on whether it's active. You can have adaptive cruise control going and the self-steering function going and then have one of those turn itself off, typically the self-steering because it can't see the lane. And Mm -hmm. you won't know because the adaptive cruise control still works. So you're still driving at the same speed. The only thing is the car won't steer anymore. So you don't find out that the lane keeping assistance is off until you actually leave the lane because you can't see that icon. And that's a problem across the board for Volvo.
0: Yeah, I, I remember this as well. And I also remember there being – it's kind of easy to switch between, like, a normal uh, cruise control system and the adaptive cruise control system that they have, too. So, like, yeah. I think there's a button that's very easy to make that happen without you knowing. Um,
1: and and- it's, worth, it's worth noting, too, that Volvo recalled every vehicle it made in 2019 and 2020 this past spring because the software for the automatic braking feature that it has was not working. It was not detecting everything um, from the forward – anything in, in front of the car. Wow, Okay. So that's a little uh, alarming.
0: <laughs> that is alarming. It's, I'm glad that somebody found it and fixed it, um, but that means that if people are buying a secondhand Volvo, it might not have had that kind of uh, recall done, and um, you need to be—they need to be aware of, of that feature not working.
1: Especially if uh, Recall Policeman Sammy Hadgeson is around. Hey,
0: don't throw me under the bus here.
1: I'm trying to be helpful. All right. Um,
0: <laughs> would you? So it's—it's it's tough to say that there's any. There's like almost no true competitors to this thing um, I've got to, again check I've got to check with Mercedes um, C class to see if it's available um, in different markets but would you recommend it to somebody who wanted um, a wagon or would you just tell them to get the v60 and be done with it there's no reason to get
1: I don't the think V8. there's any reason to get the cross-country I think it's kind of a leftover from a different era of, of Volvo back when you know the Xc70 was a big thing mm-hmm. and it, it yeah. Now that they have their own proper crossovers, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to pay more for the same thing or to pay more to be put into a straitjacket in terms of drivetrain and features, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would say just buy the V60, you'll be happy with it. The cross country, I don't think, no one's going to pretend that it's a crossover with you. <laughs> so like, it's, you're, you're going to be the only one in on the reason why you bought that car. Interesting. Um,
0: there is no Mercedes C-Class wagon anymore. Their, their most their lowest level um, wagon is in the E-Class range.
1: Okay. So yeah. So in the in the US, there's really not a lot of competitors.
0: Yeah. Um, this week, I had a luxury vehicle as well. It was the Cadillac XT4, and this is the first time I've been in the new Cadillac XT4. And uh, there's th- this is a very um, this is a compact crossover. And it's got a, a pretty, um, you know, Cadillac. It, it looks like a Cadillac. I mean, it looks like an XT5, just a tiny bit smaller, and with a notched off um, roof line. And um, I was I was curious about how this thing would would perform if it really does feel like a um, a sort of affordable luxury car, or if it feels like a, a Cadillac um, thoroughly. And I'm still caught in the middle of that decision Ben and I'm hoping we can we can talk this out a little bit on the podcast well, because
1: the last time I drove it was quite a while ago and I seem to recall not being happy with it yeah can that sound familiar I it's... don't remember a lot of details about the vehicle just that overall as a package not being very impressed with it
0: I'm uh, I, for context I also got a uh, Lexus NX 300. Uh, to compare it to, and the NX 300 is fairly is a fairly successful product in the in the segment, but uh, it's now getting a little old. So the Cadillac is much newer. It's got a lot of features going for it, um, but I really wanted to, the, the number one thing in the Cadillac that really made me feel comfortable. That the the one thing that I would say is it's um, where it succeeds is the powertrain. It's got a pretty solid two liter four cylinder. Um, it's turbocharged to make. 237 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque. That horsepower figure doesn't sound too good, like too too high, but uh, the vehicle does feel pretty solid on the road, and it's, it's, uh, it's responsive. It, it pretty much jumps off the line when you need it to. And one of the more interesting things about the X-T4 is that it's it, it has, like, a drive mode selector for the – it has a drive mode selector, and when you put it in sport or the, the – mentioned all-wheel drive mode that's when the car goes into its all-wheel drive function when you when you just start the vehicle up it's always in this two-wheel drive uh, mode and i don't know if that's particularly um desirable no
1: i i think i remember us discussing this particular issue when i drove it and i feel the same way i kind of feel like I want that feature to always be there if I purchase that feature. We've talked a lot about you know sports cars that have a sport mode, and we just yeah. If you get an all
0: wheel drive vehicle, why does it have to go into the all wheel drive mode? The thing
1: for me is if you if you don't remember or don't know about that mode, or like you're not particularly automotive savvy. And you get stuck somewhere because you didn't think to put it in four-wheel drive or you thought maybe it was in four-wheel drive. Or even worse, you're on the highway and maybe you're driving faster than you should because you're like, oh, I have four-wheel drive. It's going to be fine. And you're not in that mode, you know? And you're in the snow or in the rain. It could have a negative consequence.
0: I, I, agree. I agree. I think this is the, 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 the hang up on this powertrain is that it's a software thing. They, they started off in, in this two wheel drive mode when it really doesn't need to be put like that. No, it's, um, it's, it's got to be a fuel mileage thing for them to be able yeah. to advertise a certain number. But we know that there's a lot of other vehicles that have an automatic sort of disconnecting all-wheel drive system once they're at like a certain speed and, or, the, or the sensors dictate that the, the all-wheel drive function is not needed yet, right?
1: So what you're saying is you'd rather not have it be switchable, but actually have it be aut- automatic. So, so kind of like four-wheel drive that. on demand would be better. I'm not, would, would I'm be not better. saying
0: that. I'm not saying like a slip and grip system would be better, but I'm just saying that.
1: Stop saying slip and grip. That's what that's what Subaru – that's a term Subaru invented to shame other automakers.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, then what should we call it? All-wheel drive um, as
1: needed. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> okay. Now I understand why they created slip and grip. <laughs> I'm not
0: saying that it's it's. uh, I would say that that's better. But if I would think people would probably be more comfortable with that feature in this kind of car, in maybe a more um, rugged vehicle or like a like a like a a vehicle with a full time four wheel drive system that you can put into rear wheel drive uh, or two wheel drive or uh, four wheel drive. You want that separation.
1: Well, you know what's interesting Uh, is that. See, if this was in like a a pickup truck, we wouldn't be complaining, right? Because we're used to that kind of. That kind of four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive dichotomy. But in a, in a crossover, especially a tiny crossover, mm-hmm. all-wheel drive is, is either on or it's off. That's know? what I think,
0: yeah. So uh, that's that's one of the hangups
1: that I have on this vehicle. Are, are we trapped in a mind prison where we're just so inflexible we can't be on the same level as Cadillac's designers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you want to talk about design. No, I want I, to talk about mind prison. Here we go. No, I, I My first five t- years were the hardest, Sammy. <laughs> They say you're supposed to beat someone up on your first day in mind prison, but I I didn't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you have to do it – you can't do it physically or else they know – they got you. I had to scan them and it was so hard. It was so hard. Um – but other, but beyond that, the transmission is extremely smooth. And the power delivery is really good. Um, the car has a little bit too much like floatiness to it. It kind of like uh, it kind of like wobbles around a little bit too much. I wasn't impressed with that, especially because Cadillac sometimes likes to promote itself as being a bit more sporty and responsive than um, a Lexus, I suppose. But that wasn't exactly my case. Um, I would say that uh, there are times when you sit in the vehicle and it feels that you're very, you're sitting very high up. You're sitting um, in in what feels like an SUV or or, or non compact crossover. But the turning radius is very is the turn. First of all, the the steering is very light. The turning radius is very small, and you kind of get this really weird disconnect. There's also tiny mirrors. There's a um, a rear view mirror camera, which is also really disorienting uh, and takes some getting used to. And it, you can turn uh, it off, though, right? You can, but okay. I, I wanted to keep it on because I think, you know, people who buy this car with that feature will want to use it. So it, it, it takes it's, – it's disorienting because it's a completely different angle than what you're used to seeing with your um, rearview mirror. And, and I,
1: also, I also find the frame rate of the video is very different from what you see through the windshield, and that takes some getting used to. I didn't feel that just yet. Um, well, your I don't your know. eyes aren't as old as mine.
0: Yeah, I'm worried if this is an age thing, or if it's a, <laughs> or if it's a, a comfort thing. So, th- but the other thing is, you do notice like everything happening in that rearview mirror is much closer than you than it feels. It looks like it's much closer than it should be. And um, the the angle is much wider, too. So you do get a little bit more detail, but you're also seeing things that just shouldn't matter to and, you.
1: And let's not forget when it rains or if there's snow, you can't use that mirror.
0: I find that so funny because um, – actually, first of all, I believe this one is, like, self-cleaning in some way or another. It has a washer. You know, cats but, are
1: self-cleaning, too, but I wouldn't eat off one.
0: Um, But <laughs> – I want to know if you if, I want to know if you edit these those jokes out or if you edit a bunch of other one liners throughout the whole podcast. Maybe if you
1: like actually listen to the effort I put into an edited podcast, you'd know the answer to that. I know. Um
0: what's funny is you you mentioned that about the rain and the snow, but in um night conditions when it's when it's nighttime, dark in night conditions. Night conditions. <laughs> That's my new game show. Um, <laughs> it's just you and a lot of
1: snakes in a dark room. <laughs>
0: exactly. Night conditions. Will he survive? Um, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly visible. So I find it's funny that it would get kind of mucked up with, those, um, with the noise of the other uh, precipitation there. I want to talk about the interior next, though, because the interior isn't um, isn't bad at all. I do have some issues with the HVAC controls, mainly because maybe I'm an idiot, um, and maybe because they're not as intuitive as I thought. But underneath the infotainment system is a row of buttons um, that kind of sit on a on a ledge. So you know a bunch of buttons are you you press them on the face of them so you're saying you want to put automatic climate control you press that that's it you want it turned off you press that again the light turns off it's no longer on if you want to change your your um your heating and cooling there's an air, there's one button with two arrows on it a blue um down arrow and a red up arrow so you know you pre- i i thought that if you press On the blue arrow it will drop the temperature if you press on the red arrow it'll increase it but that's not the case this turns this button is actually a toggle and it took me a frustratingly long time to figure that out um because none of the other buttons are toggles like this as well so i don't know i thought maybe consistency in the button design would be really helpful kind of like an, an arbitrary design then yeah um, on the other hand, they have a wireless phone charger that is kind of like a slot and hides under behind the armrest and I thought that was kind of clever instead of laying the instead of laying it somewhere like um in a storage in a storage area where your phone will is first of all it 's in view so that if you do get a notification you 'll want to look at it and second of all, it takes up that storage area because your phone is there and you might not want to put things like keys or or coins on top of your phone yeah. on top of your phone putting it in this like separate slot kind of far away is a really handy feature. I think that's really smart. I also want to talk about um, the new Cadillac user Inter- info user. What is it called? User experience. Yes. Q. It's, it's definitely just okay. I don't think it's um, among the best infotainment systems and um, it's not the, the worst um, in comparison to that Lexus. Yeah. It's a huge step up and it's not, it's a much bigger screen too. So I I have, you know, there are better systems in the in the industry, but this isn't the standard. And then finally, um, I want to talk about the head-up display, one of my favorite features in modern luxury cars. This has that, and I think that's very important, especially as you get more vehicles with bigger screens and all sorts of gizmos that can distract you. I think a head-up display is a very good um, way to mitigate sort of distraction in the car. But um my car did not have what i expected in terms of adaptive cruise control it has a cruise control function it has something that co- that is called gap is gap adjust but those two features work um separate from each other as far as i understand uh one the gap adjust is literally for the warning system in the forward collision warning and the cruise control is just normal cruise control so that's disorienting as well <laughs> i mean it certainly sounds like it this vehicle that I tested was uh, around
1: 54000 $54, dollars. So a lot more than the Volvo we were just talking yes. about, and, and a lot less useful because it's smaller.
0: Yes, it is a bit smaller. Um, a bit smaller? I think. I think a bit smaller. Do you okay. have
1: any any cargo capacity on 50 your fifty cubic feet?
0: Fifty cubic feet in that's total or or that's rear?
1: maximum, yeah.
0: Um, cargo, I, I've got, I've got 48.9 when you fold down the rear seats.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, that's, that's the same as like a Volkswagen Golf, right? Oh man. I don't
0: remember. I don't remember the Volkswagen Golf numbers off the top of my head. Well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I forgot them by now. Um, it, I, I, Golf is
1: 53.7. Oh
0: man. <laughs> So if you want more more space for cargo and people, a golf might actually do the trick. Yes, will definitely do the trick, These and crossovers. probably for a lot less money.
1: Actually, half yeah. the
0: money. Of course it would. These crossovers, man.
1: We've been we've been sold a lie. It's true. Sure. Well, we've been sold a very profitable business model. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, it's a very okay vehicle. It could be better, and I always say this about some – uh, well, I don't always say this, but I know that some vehicles, I always feel that um, when the refresh comes, it will definitely be better. It will be much better. That's the one that you want. But what, uh, you, what,
1: what you're saying though is – I mean this is a $50,000 vehicle.
0: And it doesn't Sh- feel refined and, and perfect. Like Shouldn't, a, like shouldn't it be better than shirt. OK? No. I mean, yeah, it should, but it's not. It just – it feels like they – and I've said this about some model makers, they hone in on a couple of features and like, that's what we're going to build the car around. Um, perhaps that powertrain is that, because I am very impressed with the powertrain, but nothing, and, and the interior design is actually pretty uh, modern and attractive. But beyond that, the car just doesn't feel fully finished. It doesn't feel like it, 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 it was refined and honed. As I said, that really strange disconnect between the light steering and the, and the tippy ride kind of really set me off. And then there's those other features that need to be... Um, sort of sorted out, like the drive mode selector or the infotainment system, which could be better. So, or the, the weird adaptive cruise control that I couldn't quite figure out. So it, there's always vehicles that feel like they've got everything put together. And that's something that I, I will admit, with the exception of the of the infotainment system in and in the Lex NX, and the fact that it's really old and bizarre looking now, it's a car that, fe- that feels finished. It's a car that feels really refined all the way through. There's no hiccups. There's no issues. Like the, the, the design all works together. Um, and there's no moments where you go, why did it do that? Why is it behaving like this? Why can't it just be what I wanted to Why can't it just do what I wanted to do? Any other questions, Ben? Just
1: dead air. Just lots of dead air for
0: you. Is that a moment for you to insert a joke? In in edit, yeah, I,
1: I I I also clap sometimes so I can line it up. <laughs> it's <laughs> easier that way. Okay,
0: so following that, I want to talk about some news that just happened. Um, and this is, the, do you know this brand, Dodge SRT? Yeah, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. What do you know about Dodge SRT?
1: I know that they are dedicated to putting huge amounts of horsepower in almost every platform that they that is available to them.
0: And. You know what? Going into uh, this July, they are they are committed to that uh, perception that you have. So what's happening here is they've they've uh, produced a Dodge Durango. You know the three row. Uh, is it an SUV? It's a crossover,
1: right? I, I am familiar with the uh, with the, the Durango. Yes.
0: The Durango. Um, it's a vehicle you can get a, a six cylinder in or a V eight. And now they've and they had an SRT version of that. But now they're going to put the Hellcat motor in it. Yeah, so it's going to give
1: gonna, us – it's its like a Trackhawk Durango
0: is what you're saying. With actually a, a little bit more horsepower. It's got 710 horsepower now.
1: Well, they want it – you know why they did that. Three more horsepower. Yeah, but you no, know No, I don't know. Because wow. now it's the most powerful SUV ever built.
0: Outdoing their own?
1: Yes, outdoing their yeah. own. So everyone who bought a Trackhawk is now like, well, that sucks. <laughs> So they, they built this crazy Durango Hellcat, and they built something called the SRT Superstock Challenger. Oh, you want to built, talk about all of their other they toys. They built an SRT Hellcat Red Eye. So they're yes. all various versions of the Hellcat engine. Yes. Um, the Superstock is basically a Demon mm-hmm. uh, that's not called a Demon. That's 810 horsepower, I think, Sammy. Is that right? 807. 807. So it's it's just – how much was the, uh, was the Hellcat? The Demon. The Demon, Demon made 33 more horsepower. Okay. So it's a way for them to use the Demon motor without calling it a Demon so they don't piss off current Demon owners who bought it for collecting reasons and yet still have a very fast car.
0: This is interesting, actually. Um, the This Demon – the Demon did 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. The Superstock does it in 2 point uh, – sorry, in 3.2. So it's n- it's a whole second um, Well, you, you know Why? Because of the tires?
1: Yeah, you can't buy... It. it doesn't come with racing slicks or the track box or the uh, narrow tires for the front. This one has the Nitto drag radios. Yeah, but it's not like an actual... It's not like a, a slick.
0: Right. Um, and then it's got a top speed of 168 miles per hour, which is interesting because the Durango Hellcat will do 180 miles per
1: hour. No, it'll do 145. Is that what they're saying? Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, uh, it's, 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 it's just... The, the the and 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 the red eye version of the charger it's a marginally faster version of the car right
0: the charger the red eye is yeah. a 797 horsepower version of the charger now
1: yeah so it'll do it in 10.6 which is like 0. 0.1 seconds slower than that challenger we were just talking about i think
0: that's um
1: that's a whole lot of horsepower for a whole bunch of cars that
0: yeah. i don't think need it
1: and it'll um, do 203 miles an hour jeep that's, so it's a lot faster hard. than that Challenger too. It's wild. I know the Challenger is limited top speed wise because of the tires, but okay. uh, it's it's still it's still wild. I mean these these are crazy cars. I, I, I saw a Challenger um, Hellcat out sorry a Charger Hellcat out on the road earlier today when I was driving around. Mm-hmm. Um, people do commute in them. They're they're these cars have an audience. It's a great way for FCA to make money using the parts they already have. It keeps development dollars down, and I'm I'm surprised we don't see versions of this car every year. But we kind of do, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we kind of do. I honestly, I thought I'd already driven this charger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing is that we discuss what we're talking about. And you're like, wait, didn't I already drive a, an, an SRT Hellcat Red Eye? And I'm like, yes, but it wasn't a charger.
1: No, it was. I'm looking now. It was the SRT Hellcat Wide Body, but it wasn't. The the red, it wasn't the Red Eye version of the charger. It was a Wide Body version of the charger. So it's incremental. Every year we get a different version that has a little bit more extra something. In this, in this case, the something is power. So. I mean, kudos it's, to them. It's always power.
0: This is SRT <laughs> we're talking about. It's not like they added a, a massage seat. to the. No, but sometimes
1: it it's just a wide body.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what do you think of these cars? I mean, is this just the usual SRT cadence now? That's what they're going to do every – well, and then first of all, does that mean that when you buy one of these, you're committing to that? that output because next year they're going to come out with another month another model right
1: i think that eventually it will stop because eventually they're going to have to get rid of the old lx platform i mean it's going to have to go and who knows if the hellcat motor will still fit with at at that at that time yeah interesting so there's one more thing i want to talk about before we we ended our episode and that's go ahead uh, man i've been reading this book lately that was sent to me by Velospa Publishing. It's called The Essential Buyer's Guide Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon and it's for 1979 to 2006 models. So basically the first two generations of the G-Wagon. And Veloc is doing this it's like a series on um, let's say you want to buy a certain type of classic car. They they hire an expert and that guy or or girl just pours their heart out into the about a 100-page book. And I have to say this is it, the book itself it's written in kind of a it's it's got a euro flavor i guess you could say it and it's a little it's a little colloquial at times a little kind of lighthearted but it is super super in depth sammy okay so
0: a, a buyer's guide for the g wagon what is that like i mean well, are there more is it about sorry hold on is it about like um because the, the, these things have become kind of collectors now. So is it about that sort of resale value and that um, prestige that some models have? It's or about is it absolutely
1: about, everything about the truck.
0: So, so it's about it, even people who want to buy one to like use it every day yeah, or to actually use it like a G-Wagon and go off-roading and
1: stuff. Well, because there's so many different models, you have to know yeah. which ones are more expensive, which ones are better for trail and which ones aren't. Uh, which ones are harder to repair, which ones are not worth owning, that kind of thing. So the guy, his name is um, Nick Green, and he goes into extreme detail. Uh, it includes the AMG models, and it's, you know, everything from where to look for rust to which models were built when to w- what what you can tow, what you can't tow with what year, um, all the service intervals for every vehicle. There's, like, so many pictures of absolutely everything. There's even a section that's called, like, is it the right card for you? And the subtitle of that section is marriage guidance because (laughs) it discusses all of the weird things about owning a G wagon and that you might not be into. Like, you know, if you're, if you're a short, the shorter driver may feel a little overwhelmed by the open space. Um, it talks about how heavy the car is. And as a result of how heavy it is, certain components wear out more quickly and you know, how early models are maybe not the best ones to drive every day. So it's it's just it's it's a fascinating perspective from someone who clearly loves the brand. And like I said, it's a whole his it's a whole series of books. So it even talks about different ways you can buy it, whether you want to buy it at auction, private seller. Um there's a couple chapters that are devoted to the inspection process. One of them's like if you're just it's kinda neat because we've all been in this situation, I think, where you show up at a car that you've looked at online, you show up in person and like you have this instinct that like, no, I need to leave right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's just too messed up. So he has a section called the 50-minute inspection, and it's designed to tell you whether you should stay longer or leave immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a second section called the 60-minute inspection. And this is more like where you would hire a mechanic and go over the car with them and where they should look. So it's very practical. It's useful. Um, It's not super expensive. It's 20 bucks. So I wish I had had a book like this for some cars I bought in the past. Yeah. It's definitely helpful. And if you're, especially if you're looking at a car like the G Wagon that's uncommon and it's going to be harder to find good information online about it.
0: I absolutely love these kinds of um, guides. I think they're super important, especially in terms of, yeah, in terms of buying, maybe not for every car, but like some cars that are a little bit um, finicky or they can be finicky or they can be difficult to find the right example of. Uh, and a G wagon is definitely that because they've had a lot of different powertrains over the years. I think they've had you know diesels, they've had six cylinders, eight cylinders, um, and um, and they've had different body styles. If I if, I'm, if I remember correctly, they yeah. Four, and and, and, not, all and all those, not all of
1: those not all of those drivetrains are going to be necessarily great in a modern context. Like some of them yeah. are going to be slow to the point where you might not feel safe driving them. Absolutely. And then as
0: well, I
1: truly do think that these G classes
0: will hold um, some resale value in the future. Uh, if they don't already now, I think these things are going to be popular collectors' items, as uh, as a lot of older Mercedes sometimes um, turn to, like SLS and um, S classes. Well, so, not just
1: not just older Mercedes, but just older trucks in general.
0: Right, actually, that's happening more and more. Those like uh, off, especially off-road oriented trucks are becoming more um, um, desirable in the in the auction scene or the the concourse scene.
1: Well, just so- just among collectors, yeah.
0: Fine. You want to say it that way. I'll say it that way too. Among collectives, so that's really cool. Do you know how much this book
1: costs um, regularly? Yeah, I actually mentioned it earlier. It's uh, sorry, I missed twenty
0: dollars. Twenty dollars is a good deal. Holy cow! I'm down for that. Um, And do you know how many other
1: guides there are like these? No, I don't. I do know it's an extensive series. I'm looking at the front page, and I I would say conservatively, there's a hundred. I'm not even exaggerating. It's everything yeah. from like for 911s alone, there's it looks oh, yeah. like there's nine nine different versions you can get. Um and then there's a whole bunch of other Porsches. It's it's quite comprehensive. And Mercedes-Benz is another um automaker that has a lot of different guides. there's like I said there's a, there's a euro focus on this, but there's also cool. stuff like that you can they they make one for the DeLorean. So <laughs> Cool. Yeah.
0: That's awesome! Thanks for uh, sharing that. That's a really uh, will, will we ha- will we have
1: a link um, Wait, on you the can show go, you, notes for this? You can go to velos.co.uk. I'll try okay. to put a link in the show notes. Uh, can you because... say that one more time without attacking your microphone? There, sorry, the microphone's falling apart. Oh no! It's velos.co.uk. Very cool. And velos is V-E-L-O-C-E. Okay. Anything else you want to add? No, I just wanted to mention that next week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about something very different, Sammy. I'm going to be driving – I've been driving the the new Ranger, yep. the 2020 Ranger. And uh, I haven't driven it since the launch, which I think was like 18 months ago, something like that. Yeah. So I have a whole bunch of thoughts. You have new, <laughs> do you
0: have new opinions?
1: Yes, new opinions. Some some That's as possible. aspects of the vehicle have revealed themselves that I did not notice the first time I drove it.
0: And so now you're I, – well, I can tell by the – by the twinkle in your eye and that hint of a smile, that this is going to be a good episode.
1: They're all uh, good episodes, Sammy.
0: A particularly good episode. Next week, I have the RAV4 to talk about. I'm going to be comparing that to the Forester. So I know we've talked about these two vehicles um, separately a lot, but now we're going to talk about a, com- a quick comparison that I'll, I'll do. But you know what? While you have that Ranger, um, we'll talk about the the new F-150 as well, because that's been recently debuted. So it's, it's going to be a pretty... Uh, loaded episode next week
1: and if you want to find past episodes and see which ones of those are loaded and which ones are just regular loaded you can go to www.unnamedautomotivepodcast.com all of our episodes are there for you to peruse and listen to and you can subscribe using a whole bunch of little links we have on the site using your favorite podcatcher or you can even just find us on your favorite podcatcher just type in unnamed automotive podcast we are everywhere spotify google apple all of that stuff
0: Very cool. And of course, when you go to the website, you can get in touch with us really easily. There's a contact form. You fill that out. It lands in our inbox. Additionally, you can send an email to us the old-fashioned way. Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com is the easiest way to do it. But you can also reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at HuntingBenjamin. So we look forward to uh, getting a bunch of your comments and questions. We Actually, I have a bunch of people who who commented recently about our our 9-11 situation. So that would be a good – we can also bring that up when we have some time too.
1: All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye.